Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall, in the pub, in the tab, in the cars. We remember- Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we have David all the way from New York. He um, had stumbled across, uh, across our podcast and was listening and reached out to us to um, thank us for helping with his education along this journey and we thought it would be really great to hear his journey today. So welcome, David. Thank you. So just before we started recording the podcast today, I asked you how you came across um, the Penis Project. So tell us, tell me about that. Well, I had uh, a radical prostatectomy, and it was the Da Vinci. So it was a robotic one. And by all means, it has gone well. Um, the cancer has is gone. Uh, the, the pathology returned that the margins were clear. Everything was good news. My tests after for the past year have been undetectable. So that's all the good stuff. Um, but I was struggling with trying to find answers because it's, it's kind of taboo uh, to talk about sex a lot. And trying to talk about it with with the medical staff and everything else, it just kind of felt funny. So I started looking for my own solutions and my own resources and started to use the Google search engine to find any kind of information I could. And I put in prostatectomy and prostate cancer and, and podcast and the penis project showed up at the top. So I decided to give it a listen. Right. And so tell me, did any of your health professionals in your journey up until then actually talk about sexual function with you or was it something that hadn't been brought up? It was brought up in the in the pre-surgery meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I argued with the, the surgeon <clears throat> that I wanted to have a surgery, sexual function over top of incontinence. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, you want continence before you have sexual function. Trust me. And I, I lost that argument. I am continent, but the sexual function is still, I'm waiting. Okay. So you had, you Sometimes had, impatiently. <laughs> so you had your surgery in March 21. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so, so after the surgery, when you were like, were you offered penile rehabilitation at all, like to use a pump or any kind of options to improve your sexual function or not? Once you were dry and your cancer was clear, that was it really? That was pretty much it. Um, again, with my, my searches, I did come across um, Victoria, who's also in Australia, and the, the pump that she has recommended, I, I was able to find a, a vendor in the United States who would sell it mm-hmm. and bought that based on what Victoria had said, and then stumbling upon your podcast and understanding that's the same thing that you recommend. So no, the the short answer is there isn't a whole lot of discussion about the the penile rehabilitation. It's mostly focused on incontinence Mm. and pelvic floor strengthening and therapy. Yeah. And so were you dry straight away? You were continent straight after the surgery or did that take a little bit of work? Uh, It was fairly quick. am a type A personality. So I constantly am, am flexing pelvic floor just because, and I've, I found myself doing it just out of habit and I'm trying to undo the years of that mm-hmm. so that I can get back to some normal function maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't have a whole lot of problem. Right. Great. And so how, how old are you, David, just out of interest? Because um, I think that the thing that I found is that not all, but a lot of the medical profession seem to think that once you get to a certain age, sexual function shouldn't be that important anymore. And I'm interested to know if it's the same in America. Yes and no. I mean, like I said, it wasn't really discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-surgery meetings, it wasn't discussed on how active I was. Um, what my goals were for after the surgery, what I could do to prepare for the surgery. Like I hear on your podcast that many doctors in Australia do, it was just, okay, this is going to be a, you know, an 80% chance that you'll recover within one to three years. And that's the best we can offer you. Mm, Okay. So were you sent to a pelvic floor physio for like the continence issue? Uh, it, at one point I was, and it was like a six month waiting period to get onto her list. Wow. So I went and found another one, but with the insurance here in the States, if you're not in the network for the insurance company, they don't really like to refer you to them because it costs them more. So I had to fight to get into another pelvic floor therapist and negotiate the rates for that with the insurance company. And I was able to get in fairly quick, but very disappointed in what they offered. Um, I went in and I was able to get a uh, ultrasound of my 
pelvic floor when I flexed and when I relaxed. And they said, yep, it looks good. You have good flex and good relaxation. Okay, we'll come back in a week. Mm. So I was I was disillusioned by that whole process and, and kind of walked away from it and figured I could do it on my own yeah. a little bit better and a lot cheaper. Sure. So you started a blog after you'd gone through this journey, haven't you? Called I love the name, Prostate Cancer Really Sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so was that, did you originally start that because you wanted to help other men in the same situation or was it originally something that you started as a way of just expressing your own emotions and 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 helping you through that process or both? A little bit of both. Um, one of the things I found about the support groups around me that I have been to is that they were, they tended to be very negative. Um, a lot of people complaining about a lot of different things. And I just, I didn't need that negativity. So I thought a blog was a, a good way for me to release my emotions and, and maybe give somebody else some ideas along the way um, and help them on their journey as well. Yeah. And have you found that you've had many people like find it and read it or have you shared it with your networks? How did you get it out there? I post a few things on Twitter here and there, and there's been a few people, but it hasn't really uh, been all that looked at. Not a, not a lot of people know about it. No. I've read um, quite a lot of it, not all of it, I have to admit, but I've read quite a lot and it's great. So hopefully after today, I'll put the link to the blog, Prostate Cancer Sucks, in the um, show notes and hopefully we'll get a few more people reading because from what I read, I think a lot of the um, people that we deal with would really resonate with the way you've been feeling and, and how you've dealt with this journey. Yeah, the other part of it that I, I don't think is really hit on in the States as much is, is the psychological after effect of, of having a prostatectomy and, and everything that goes along with that, uh, from the incontinence to the ED and just even the word, you have cancer, it's enough to strike fear in anyone. Uh, so having something to, to write about like that has been somewhat cathartic yeah of course oh and you never answered my question how how old are you david oh um ironically i learned that i had cancer on my 57th birthday right uh, and i i made it to 58 this year great okay and so and are you in a long-term relationship yes i've been married for let me think about it 38 years so tell us, like, how has all of this affected your relationship and your communication and everything with your partner? It's a struggle, to be honest. Um, like I said, the, the, the whole mental aspect of prostate cancer and the surgery and, and everything that goes along with it changes you. And it, it's, it's difficult to understand from the outside as I am finding out and living with me in particular has become a bit harder because you're you're more moody you're more stressed just the whole psychological effect of, of not being able to perform anymore yeah and does that not being able to perform anymore do you feel like that's um has has is the main reason that that you feel 
like maybe sad or moody or I don't know. Do you think that you feel a little bit depressed? Probably. Um, it, it is a big burden that, you know, anytime I think that we're about to initiate something or I want to initiate something, my head automatically goes to what am I feeling? Is it getting any better? Um, what am I doing wrong that it's not working? Cause it's been close to a year and a half and there's still nothing. Nothing um, at all. So there's no, you haven't got any reaction at all yet. There are feelings and I feel like the, the, the nerves are awake that there's something that's, that's firing off and saying, yep, this is the time let's go. But nothing ever happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I have also tried uh, acupuncture to try and stimulate some of the nerves. Uh, the acupuncturist won't let me see the needles, but she is able to hit the uh, pudendum nerve or pudendal nerve as it leaves the, the spine and makes its way down through your buttocks and into your pelvis. And do you feel as though uh, the acupuncture's made a difference? For a little bit, I thought it was, and I got my hopes up and I kept, you know, like I said, getting into your head and, you know, thinking too much about it, I think. So I, I've taken a break from it to just try and collect my thoughts and figure out how to get out of my head yeah. so that it, it may have a chance to work. It's interesting. I read something in your blog, which um, you said here, I thought it was really good, actually. All the help out there is telling you the same thing. Do not dwell on what you can't do sexually in your relationship, but what you can do and do have to satisfy each other. And have do you feel like you've found workarounds or is the fact that you're erectile, you've got erectile dysfunction still following this just made it impossible for you? There's been workarounds and and it's it's too far and too too far apart. Uh, for my liking, but there have been workarounds and, you know, I have to have to continue to work on getting out of my own head and getting out of my way to yeah. really feel like I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. And, and how have you found the Vacurect pump then? I'm assuming that's the one that you bought because that's the one Victoria and I both recommend. Um, have, have you found that to help with things or? Yes, I've, I've taken all of your advice, and after my shower every morning, I, I use it religiously, and on the biggest ring to, you know, pump it up and let it go down, and then pump it up again, and, and just keep blood flowing, mm -hmm. and I think it, it is making a difference as far as the, the length and, and trying to stretch that back out, because uh, that is bothersome as well, but, you know, you go swimming in a cold pool, you, you know what it's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I continue to work on it. I'm not going to give that up yet. Yeah. Great. And you realize, you know, you are only 18 months post-op. So, you know, it's good two to two to three years before you really know if things are going to wake up or not, but it's a long time. Like it's a long, long time to wait, isn't it? And I think that's, Probably the biggest thing that I hear with the patients I see face-to-face -face is that having to wait 
two years, it just feels like nothing's ever going to happen and it's that what if it doesn't ever come back. Yeah, and I, and that's where I'm getting in my own way, I think. Uh, you know, I've, I've often said I've, I've had other surgeries. I had back surgery. I had a knee replacement. Those are a cakewalk compared to this. And, and the skin has healed. The continence was there fairly quickly. Everything was, was physically looking well. Um, but the nerves, they just, they don't want to heal at the same rate. And when you expect your body to heal in a certain way, and you're kind of disappointed when it doesn't. Hmm. Um, can I ask you, you said, mentioned before that you're a type A personality, and I find this a lot. I feel like, and I'd love to know your opinion of this, and this is purely anecdotal, but I feel like the men that I meet in my practice that have been quite successful in their careers and usually type A personalities, and they've been able to control things usually in their life. So when something goes wrong, they've been able to work harder or learn something new and find a way out. And I find this is the hardest for those kind of men because this is something that you actually don't have a lot of control over. I would have to agree 1,000%. Uh, the lack of control is is a very difficult thing for my type of personality. Mm. Um, I, I walk into a room and I'm constantly scanning the what ifs and and what can I do and and I'm addressed with a problem at work. I'm automatically going three different directions trying to figure out the best solution. Uh, and and this you. There's absolutely nothing you control, nothing you can do, and no planning whatsoever. You just have to take it one day at a time. And, and it's tough. Mm, it is. It's really tough. I think it's, you know, I think if you're a person, man or woman, who is used to being able to find solutions to problems by working harder or getting more information and suddenly you're faced with a problem that you don't can't do any of that with, I think that's really difficult. And, and the finding more information is exactly what led me to, to you. Mm, yeah. So have you then, like, are you taking a PDE5 medication each day? And have you looked into whether you can find anyone like over there that maybe you could learn how to do injections with and things like that? Yes, I've been taking a PDE5 for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. um, before I was diagnosed, it was diagnosed as BPH. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you could yes. better say it than I could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I have been taking it. I was continuing to take it. I still do on a nightly basis. Take it every day. Mm -hmm. um, I did get injections. Um, it's very difficult mentally to think that you're going to stab yourself in your penis. And I, I have a hard time overcoming that. Yeah. Did, uh, were you taught to do it using an auto injector or did you have to use a needle straight in? It was a needle straight in and I, I complained to the doctor's office and they said, well, you can get the auto injector. And I got that. And, and the, the sound of that auto injector 
and 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 I was expecting something like an EpiPen where you just push the button and in and goes. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything, but no, you, you, with the auto injector, you you push the button, it snaps, and the needle goes in. But then you still have to plunge the medication in. Um, and it I, we've used it; it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that that I asked for from the doctor's office was some topical. So he, he told me to get some lidocaine and I was able to put that on, let it soak in for half hour, 45 minutes. And the sting of the needle is completely gone. Right. Um, it, I didn't even feel anything. Yeah. Good. So that was, that was a mental help for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to get used to the snap of the, the auto injector and, and then doing it. Yeah. And the other thing I think that does help as well, if you don't want to have to wait half an hour, because I mean, I think that's the biggest problem with needles is that whole um, kind of, you've got a plan for everything, you know, and that adds to it as well. If you're having to put lignocaine on because the sting bothers you, what about um, you can use, just get an ice block and pop it on the spot just for a couple of seconds, 10 seconds or so before you inject. Um, and then you won't have to wait half an hour with the with the cream on. And what I find is that most guys, after they've done it re- regularly, they get used to that and then they don't even notice it anymore. But um, you're right. I think the click noise of the auto injector is quite like it is it's a little bit surprising at the beginning and have you tried um using the injections with your wife and you doing it together or do you always do it alone oh no she's <laughs> she's the one that has to help me through it because uh I, I i still have a hard time pushing the button so it is a, is a joint effort have you seen um, the video that i've got on my youtube channel with um how to do it together as a couple I don't think I've seen that one. I saw the one of doing a self-injection, but I don't know if I've seen the the couple. Have a look. I think um, it, it's on the YouTube channel and it's just two people together. And I, I think it makes it easier for guys who are nervous about the actual injecting process. If they are the pe- person who holds the penis like straight out and prepares to like hold the base for the minute, and if the partner is the one who all they have to do is hold the auto injector on and press the button. Um, anyway, yeah, that, that, hmm. that's what we've we've worked out. That, yeah. that kind of arrangement. Yeah. So have a look at that. It's only like a minute and a half or something, but I think it um, it does make it easier. And I think the other trick with injectables is making sure that. It is awkward thing to do when you first start. And I think doing it regularly, like I think what happens with people is they start doing it and they're anxious and nervous about it. Understandably, I would be too. And then if they just do it very intermittently, then it you never get it never becomes normal. But if you do it at least once a week for a while, it becomes second nature. And then that takes that whole angst out of it each time. But if you leave a big gap in between all the time, then you're sort of back to square one. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings up the next point that you sort of touched on was you know, scheduling to put the lidocaine on or, or put the ice block or, or anything else. It, it is, there's nothing spontaneous anymore. It, it, you have to schedule it and you have to make time. Um, 
and it, it's it's going to be hard because moods don't always align. Um, you may be in a foul mood and she's not, or vice versa. And it it just it makes it a lot harder mm. than what it used to be. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, it is a lot harder. Giving up that control. Yeah, and I think the other thing about it is trying to um, maybe with injections when you're getting used to them is not thinking them as a means to an end, but rather thinking of it as sort of like your pump. Do it once a week and don't even think, you don't even have to have um, like intimacy after. Just do it. Good, it's good exercise for the shaft of the penis. Let it go up and down, whether you feel like being intimate or not, and then and just get used to it so that by the time, once you're used to it, then when you do both feel in the mood, it comes as second nature instead of something you've got to, like, figure out again. If that, okay, it's a good strategy. You know, so go, okay, it's Saturday or Friday or whatever. We're just going to inject it. I'll go to, we can go to, we don't feel like doing anything. We'll just go to bed. And it can go up and down, get a bit of exercise, but we've got one more time of doing that under our belt. And now we can like, you know, next time it'll be easier and better. And then then maybe the, I think once you're good at it, then you have the opportunity for the spontaneity to come back down the track. Okay. We'll, we'll consider doing that and, and talk it over. Yeah. But it is hard, and I think this is, for me, this whole mental aspect of, of how it makes a man feel and that emasculation, and I just think it's so not discussed enough and, like, just being able to talk about it and acknowledge that you're not alone and a lot of people feel like this I think is really important. Yeah, I, I did seek out a therapist that I, I saw once and I express the fact that I feel like I'm alone and I'm less of a man. And the immediate response from the therapist was, you're not any less of a man. Just summarily dismissed my feelings. And at that point, I just walked away from that counselor and said, yeah, obviously you don't get it. So um, if we it, have some counselors out there listening, like what would be an appropriate response to you when you felt, when you said that, what, what would have made you not, made you feel a bit differently about that? Probably some compassion and understanding. That it has changed. And although others don't see your capacity diminished as a man, I understand that you do. And let's explore that a little bit more. Yeah. But to, to have it summarily dismissed, it was just... That was like within the first 15 minutes and I struggled to at least get through another 15 to 20 before I just walked out. Yeah, fair enough. I think, um, was the therapist a woman? No, ironically, it was a man. Wow, that is really surprising because I think um, for women, they often, um, we often don't realise how important having a functioning, you know, body for a man is and I think the only way we can kind of identify with that is if we were told we had to have both our breasts removed for breast cancer have a double mastectomy even though we might be past breastfeeding age we still will often feel loss for a part of our body that was attached to our femininity and I think having a functioning penis for a man is very very similar and um but I am really surprised that that therapist was a man 
Yeah, I, I sought out another man and it, there's some better understanding, but I, I still think there's a disconnect and I'm, I'm trying to find another therapist that might have a little bit more understanding or compassion or at least the ability to listen and offer something and, and help me get out of my own head. I was um, speaking to a prostate cancer nurse not long ago, actually, and um, she told me something that she always does with couples that I thought was fantastic, and um, it was certainly something that I learned from her. And she was telling me that when she has, she's in, she was in New Zealand, actually, and she was telling me that when she meets couples and she always, and the guy expresses this situation that he feels less of a man and um, less masculine, he, she asks the wife to tell him all the reasons why she feels that he is her man um, or her, his female partner or male, other male partners tell them and what makes them masculine to that partner. And I thought that was so brilliant. And she said not once has the other partner ever mentioned the ability to function sexually. It's always been things like that they're strong and supportive when they need them and that they are a provider and they can trust them and they can fix things around the house and a whole lot of other things. And I thought that was such a, um, a great thing that she did is to ask the partner, like, what do you find masculine about your partner? And I just thought it was so good because often what we see as feminine or masculine about ourselves isn't what our partners see. And I think knowing how our partners see us is often important as well. I completely agree, and it, and it, I'm sure it, it helped eliminate eliminate and alleviate any of the fears that he had about um, his ability to perform and have a sexual encounter with his with his significant other, and that they're that that doesn't make it the entire reason that they're there. Yeah, because uh, you know. If, from a man's point of view, if you if you can't provide that outlet and that that satisfaction to your your significant other, then what good are you, and what's going to stop them from going somewhere else? Yeah, and I think that's probably a fear of a lot of men in your situation. So, I've, what about? And and um, if if you don't want to answer this, please don't. But what about your actual orgasm ability? I, I understand that the erectile function hasn't come back, but does the orgasm still work? That was a very pleasant surprise. Um, actually, when I <laughs> kind of tied into this, when I first had the surgery and just working through the incontinence, I, I would have a, a talk with, some of my very old female friends and I said, well, you know, I've become you now. Don't make me laugh. Don't make me cough in, in public without protection of some sort. And, and just don't tell me any funny jokes without warning me because I will be <laughs> my pants. Yeah. And I got a good laugh. Um, and, and the reason I said that is because now when there is an orgasm, I find it to be very stronger or very much stronger and longer. Uh, and it is a very good feeling. And I, it's almost incredible. Uh, it is a very different feeling and very enjoyable. 
Mm. I hear that so often that guys say their orgasm is different. And I'm not sure if you've listened to the podcast where we interviewed Mish um, from South Africa, but he was talking about that as well. And he feels like his orgasms like a woman now. So um, exactly. Yeah. And and that's the the way I feel that, you know, the, the woman can go for, you know, clinically, I don't know how long, but it just seems like minutes. Mm. Um, And, and it, I don't feel like it's minutes, but it is a, a much longer time frame than what it was used to. Yeah, and I think the other thing, which I understand is difficult and it's not the solution to the problem that you're having, but I think the other thing is to think about that sex is not just penetrative, you know, like everything that we do as a couple is is intimacy and sexual is sex is encompasses everything. And so if you can both experience pleasure and find a, a way around going, okay, we can't have penetrative sex and it's not as quick and easy as it used to be, but we still can pleasure each other and we still can be close, then I think maybe it's about focusing on, on, the, on that area of your intimate relationship rather than so much focus on having an erection. Do you feel like that would help or is it just too alien for you to to look at it from that angle. I do look at it from a different angle <clears throat> that I am. There are more, more ways than, you know, PIV intercourse to, to have that intimacy. Um, and I enter into it with the best of intentions, but you still feel like at the end, <clears throat> you're used to having that sexual intercourse, PIV, and that's what is kind of missing in all of this and seems like a letdown, not only to me, but to, to my wife as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I know I'm taking all of that on and it may or may not be true. And then she says it's not. But it just—it's something that's missing that that I'm still dwelling upon. And yeah. I, that, like I said, I need to find somebody to help me get out of my head. Yeah, and it's early days, you know. Like you're only 18 months post-op, and you know that's a, a grief of something you've lost that you have to go through that grieving process. So, you know, I think that's, you know, it's reasonable that it's still taking you this amount of time to deal with that. That's what I've been hearing. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm not used to waiting such a long time and it, it's, it's foreign to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it sounds to me like the thing that would have made that easier for you was just people listening so that, and not kind of disregarding the fact that this is an issue. Yeah. And it, it took the, the second therapist, it took a while for him to understand that. Um, you know, it, it, it was a matter of, he, you know, it went down the same road that intimacy is not just sex and it's not just the end all be all and did listen a bit, but then kind of got stuck in the, uh, intimacy is not all sex. Yeah. And I, I, I get that, but I'm not able to get that out of my head and that's where I need the assistance to try and get out of my own way. Um, 
and open up and enjoy and basically seize the day and and kind of put this whole cancer chapter behind yeah you almost need to uh, you need almost need help reprogramming the way you think about things isn't it yeah yeah it's really interesting i think it'll be really powerful for a lot of men and their partners listening that you've expressed how i think a lot of people feel really eloquently um, is there anything else that you would like to add today that 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 you feel would help that I haven't we haven't touched on? Well, I think the the service that that you do provide is is incredible. Um, the fact that there's that there's this resource out there. You're in Australia and I'm in New York, and we're able to have this conversation, and I'm able to to listen in to a half hour, an hour of therapy from, from you two ladies once a week. Um, it, it is open doors for me to think about some new things. One of the things that, that I <clears throat> learned from you was uh, when you were talking about the uh, father of physiotherapy, Peter Dornan. Yes. Yeah. He was great. Um, yeah. I, I listened to it on a plane and wasn't really putting anything together. But then I went to see my my general practitioner and complained about um, pain in the back of my leg, uh, almost like a hamstring. And there was really no reason for it. And they sent me to physical therapy and she started looking at it and moving me in the certain ways to see what muscles might be involved and, and where the exercise might help. <clears throat> and she gave me some exercises and sent me on away for a week. And then the next week I came in with the therapist that I was supposed to have who had been out sick, who is studying more pelvic therapy than the other one was. And it dawned on me that I remembered your conversation that the pudendal nerve can cause pain. And although it wasn't in my groin like Peter had experienced, it was something that was down my leg. And I asked the therapist, I said, so where exactly does the pudendal nerve flow? And could it be that a very tight pelvic floor could cause pain down my leg? And she was kind of perplexed and, and didn't really consider it, but then went home for a week and studied and found out that Indeed, the pudendal nerve goes through the pelvic floor and in, when it's impinged can, in, in some rare cases, cause pain in the hamstring in the back of the leg. And it was a, a, an enlightening moment for me that I learned from you, brought to my practitioner and said, can it be? And it was true. And we then worked on pelvic floor exercises, not to strengthen, but to relax it. And as soon as she taught me a few new positions to try and relax my pelvic floor, my leg pain disappeared. Mm. It was like a miracle. Um, and then for a few weeks after, I had to physically or mentally stop and think to relax my pelvic floor when my leg started hurting. Uh, and I, I, I can only attribute that to you two ladies sharing that information on the internet 
and me listening and taking it to my practitioner and saying, what about, and she was open to it to say, could be, let me go look at it. Um, so it was, it was just an incredible number of coincidences that came into, a, uh, into alignment that worked. Mm, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's so amazing for me to think that technology can bridge such like such distances and that you know we can learn from each other and people from the other side of the world like that just wasn't possible years ago and now it's pretty amazing I listen to lots of podcasts and I learned so many things that I didn't know before by just listening to other people talk it's it's pretty amazing I think and you're also very widely known I I did in my research consult uh, a sexual wellness a medical doctor who was versed in in sexual wellness in the city here and i said okay so i'm doing a b c d and i listen to the penis project i don't know if you've ever heard that and the doctor said to me that is a great show that's great that's so good so i mean you're 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 well known and and very uh representative of your of your areas Mm. No, it's fantastic. And I so appreciate that you reached out to us um, just to thank us for the program. And it's great that you're prepared to share your story because honestly, I think that there is so many people that would feel exactly what you've been feeling. And just to know they're not alone is is enough. You know, we don't always need to fix problems. Often we just need to listen and know that we're not the only people feeling it. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling once you realize you're not the odd one out that it happens to others and everybody before you and everybody after you is going to experience some of the same feelings. Mm. Um, it's, it's just very enlightening and, and like that weight is lifted off your shoulder that you're not alone. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate that you came on today and chatted and um, I'd love to hear maybe a little bit further down the track, you know, whether things get back to normal for you or whether you have come eventually come to peace with it and find a workaround. Um, it'd be really great to hear how you go in the future. So please keep in touch with us. I will. I look forward to every, every week hearing a new episode. So I will continue to listen. Tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. my own now it fills me with pride 
see him growing so fast into a man. 